Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Here comes the updates. Yes, very fitting that we should be talking about constant updating when we have come together for another episode of TAT, Teresa and Thomas having a chinwag about the, the things that blow up in our business and personal lives, things that inspire us in, in, in social media and the content that we're creating, and then just general idioms and synchronicity that seem to have come through. And what we were talking about yesterday when we were recording an episode kind of bleeds into this one a little bit. You were talking about comfort and familiarity. And then one thing that came to me was this idea of impermanence. And it's something that's a very prevalent fact in the kind of Buddhist psychology uh, idea rationale, uh, as it is in general psychology, this, this theory that people striving to control things, people trying to hold on to things, people not willing to let go of things. And it's because of this, this concept, this belief that they have a real problem uh, switching their mindset to this thing of impermanency. They, they tend to um, believe one thing and it's very hard to create that change. It's very hard to bring an amicable transformation to something, whether it's an individual or an organizational stage. Obviously, the more people, the, the, more, the more people to try and uh, manage and accommodate and the harder it is. But this idea that we try something and if it doesn't work, we shift something. We, we, we just keep evolving. And this idea of impermanence being that we think we're here forever. We think this is our body. We think this is our only existence, but really everything is here to change. Everything here is to grow. And it's only when we refuse to acknowledge that, that we create more of that suffering for us. That is the, the day-to-day -day human existence. So there's this little story here. It's from, <clears throat> I don't know where it's from, actually. I've just written it down in, in shorthand, so I'll, I'll try and piece it together. I hope there's not too many uh, gaps. But Awesome. Uh, story time with Reese. Love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a story of two monks. Um, one is called Know Me and one is called Yes Me. Um, they are monks in the traditional um, habit. They adhere to strict rules and guidelines and practices. Um, so here they're, they're returning to a monastery. They've been out doing whatever their um, <clears throat> daily monking work involves. <laughs> and they're about to cross a river uh, and they meet a crying woman um, on the side of the road. She says to, uh, and yes, me asks her, what, what's troubling her? How can I help kind of thing? And she has to, she says she needs to cross the river to get back to her children. But the river is too high. It's too powerful. It's too dangerous. She has you know, lots of doubt, lots of fear, lots of anxiety. So yes, me being the good monk <clears throat> or the good human, maybe not the good monk, um, offers to help. Uh, and so he carries her on his shoulders. They make it across the river. Everything is safe. Everything is fine. She's very thankful. He comes back across and meets with his friend Nomi and they continue on to the monastery. They're in silence. They've been walking for about 30 minutes. And he can, yes, me can see that Nomi is getting agitated. He's, um, <clears throat> he's obviously something has perturbed him. And he can't control anyone. He just has to blurt out, do you know what you've done? What have you done? How did you do that? 
and he's reminding him that their master had always told them that they should never speak to or uh, entertain or let alone touch a woman all these kind of things the rules they're not allowed to do uh, you've made a very big mistake you you're going to be in a lot of trouble etc etc and then Yesmi replies calmly I dropped the woman half an hour ago it is you who are still carrying her so that kind of idea of <laughs> tight seem to fit together with this idea of, of of letting go of things and not holding on to things and one way that we can help people get accustomed to that which for me talking about it seems obvious and easy and and the uh, necessary step to take but for someone who is not so experienced in that kind of practice or done anything like that before those simple things might seem like a, you know a mountainous challenge so this idea that um <clears throat> if you can embrace this idea of impermanence through letting go of something it might be also uh, a way to welcome this wider idea of impermanence into your daily practices and into your uh, a letting go of control or a need for control and like we said before we hit record this idea to be be like water to to follow <clears throat> to go with the flow to follow the Tao um, be content that you know whatever is necessary is coming to you and by not grasping or or pushing away too much you actually can flow peacefully and harmoniously along in the in the flow rather than at every stage pushing against something or trying to climb over something or creating an adversity for you in your mind or that really isn't there and that is just getting you stuck from continuing down that path and this impermanence talking to someone this morning and she was saying how when we first started talking she was really focused on the speaking and facilitating as part of the work that she offers and she wasn't really interested in the one-to-one -one coaching stuff but now she's kind of moved as we've been talking as we've been developing the relationship she's now more kind of in the middle and now today in our chat she was like yeah I kind of feel like I get a whole lot more interest and, and response and fulfillment from this one-to-one -one stuff mm. and that other stuff is not entirely my true self it's me contorting what I do to fit a corporate model so she's got to see helps with well-being and mindfulness and that sort of stuff and one of the things she does is run workshops for for people um, <clears throat> in a corporate setting but she's always mindful that she needs to careful with the words she uses or or dumb them down or subtle little nuances to make them <laughs> accepted. Yes. yeah exactly so and now she's just changing completely so this idea that you can embrace the change at every step and see it as a uh, important guide rather than being fearful of every step and, and and carrying away from it she's kind of leaning into it much more and, and looking forward to see where it goes without a, a clear destination in plan and i think that sums up this idea of embracing impermanence you know something really important that you had said in there is we have to recognize that we're carrying it longer than is necessary to carry it. Such a great story to illustrate that while Yesmi had noticed something seems off in Nomi, like he seems agitated. And then when he burst out, he discovered, oh, he's been carrying that. We can all relate to times plural because there'll be many times in our life 
when we are for a walk, we're doing dishes, we're getting ourselves dressed, we're at work, and we're not really in the moment of the walking, the getting dressed, the doing dishes, the cooking, the working. We are playing a conversation out in our head, one that we've had, how we would say it different, one that we want to say, because internally we're carrying something that we have not processed, that we haven't spoken out loud, and we're allowing it to consume ourselves. And so impermanence is not on the table because we're going to make this thing last as long as we can make it last. In essence, as you described it, if we can recognize that, then we can recognize that we are just amplifying our own suffering, our own discomfort. So I think that when we think about emotional disruption, difficult emotions, because this doesn't usually happen to us when we're experiencing pleasant emotions. This usually happens when we're feeling unpleasant, suffering-based emotions, like fear and anxiety, worry, anger, shame, fatigue. That's when we get stuck in this cycle of, I call it catastrophizing when we use language like never, always, no one, everyone. The world is on fire. Nobody cares about me. Everybody should be caring about me. Like when we use those polars in our language, we're catastrophizing the event. So we're adding fuel to the fire. And very often we may find we're playing one of three roles. We're either playing the victim and we like that drama. We're feeding off of it. We're playing the villain or we're playing the hero. And all of those are really expressions of our ego in the emotion. So our ability to recognize that is, I think, skill set number one that we're in it is our awareness, our emotional self-awareness, our self-awareness, our recognition skill set of like, ooh, I'm in it. So that we can pull ourselves out of it for a second and look like an observer into like, oh my goodness, how long have I been talking like this, thinking like this, feeling like this? And it's only when we pull ourselves out that we can start to shift the mindset because it's the mindset that's layering onto the physiology of the emotion. If we did not have our thoughts, judgments, and critics show up, our emotions would not explode the way that they do. So the physiology, let's just get into like the physiology of emotion minus our thoughts, our thinking, our storytelling is actually quite quick because as human beings, stimulus coming at us all day long, some of it we're a little numb to and unaware of. So we don't even notice, but that's our brain working really well to filter our environment. Because if we were to take in every stimulus, both we have five senses. If we were taken to every stimulus into our body, our brain, we would explode. We would literally explode. We can't. So our brain intentionally filters things that are unimportant to us. Like, for example, I work in this office space. I rarely see the curtains, the chair, the closet, the light. I rarely see things because they're static. They're unimportant. So my brain doesn't need to constantly be focused on them. So it filters it out so I could pay attention to what's important. The same sort of works with our emotions in that minus the thinking and the judgment, they run their course in about 90 seconds, which for some of us might go, what? I've been angry for weeks about <laughs> my, chew that, my shoe that got chewed up by the dog, right? Because we've layered on the psychology to the physiology. 
So when we step out and give ourselves an opportunity to look as a third person observer, what we'll notice is our body will give us signals to an emotion. And as soon as our body gives us signals, our brain starts to think about it. And when it starts to think about that emotion, it's bringing forward every experience you've ever had with that emotion. And then you're starting to think about not just the present emotion of anger or whatever disruptive emotion it is, but you're thinking about every time you've been angry because now that's what your attention is on. So when we do practices like meditation and mindfulness, and when we do practices in recognizing our ego, what we're really doing is we're trying to increase the impermanence of our emotions by decreasing the psychological layer and allowing motions to just run their physiology. Just let it peek out and go away. And you're like, well, how do you do that? You stop fueling it with your brain. You have to catch it. You have to catch yourself going, I can't believe. Do you remember the last time they did that? I thought I was done with this. I thought we had this conversation. Why am I so pointless, so useless, so unlovable? Like we go outward with our blame, inward with our shame, outward with our shame, inward with our blame. We go all over the place, right? As soon as we can catch ourselves doing that and stop it, we'll notice that our emotions pass a heck of a lot quicker. Mm. Well, a lot of stuff though, when you're talking about the, the noticing bit, it's obviously something we talk about a lot, but it made me think of like those old cartoons where you know, the protagonist is doing something and then they're having a fight or something like that. And then suddenly there'll be like two representations on either shoulder and in, in specifically like a devil or an angel. But it, in a reality, those two things would actually be, you know, a hundred times as many different options. And some of them will be more uh, potent because they have been reinforced over time. And like you said about these echoes, you're hearing these things and I thought I should have done that or I should be over this now. Or, this is why I'm doing this practice. Why am I still getting angry? I've been meditating for 10 years. Why is this still affecting me? All this kind of stuff. And I think that that, that in itself is, is, um, <clears throat> is a good lesson about the importance of, of permanence and, and in particular impermanence, because whatever we believe to be permanent in that moment can always be superseded and completely shifted and changed and eradicated in, in the next moment uh, mm. and it's seeing that um that cycle being part of a kind of universal natural cycle of ebbs and flows contraction expansion and once you can recognize that and try to synchronize yourself with that it feels like everything out the mind the heart the body the soul is all starting to find a coherence and so you're not being swept away by an emotion you're not letting your negative thoughts overrun um the positive ones and you said something i'm remembering now you said about the permanence and and the negative emotions and i was thinking well and i would i would associate permanence and negative emotions and i would associate joyful emotions with an impermanence because for whatever reason our mind our brain lets that joyful happiness thing go. filter away go very yes. quickly yes but it'll hold on to it's big a huge thing you know it will let it go and you can come back to it obviously but it'll let it go whereas the smallest little negative thing it can hold on and bite and won't let go for forever really and like you said you thought you got rid of all these things you've gone through all the practices you've done the training 
you've done the coaching, but that as long as there's still a one little thing that remains tying you to that, it will never go, even if it's very almost invisible and one that doesn't really show itself very often. When it does, there's an extra bite to, to that reaction, to that behavior. It's not just repeating all those negative things, it's it's repeating the repeating and 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 then like you said, shaming and blaming and internalizing all of those kind of things. Um, can I actually share something because I had a client who sent me a text this morning and mm -hmm. it beautifully illustrates permanence, impermanence, perfect, good emotions, bad emotions. And I'm doing quotations for people that can't actually see the videos, like good emotions, bad emotions. So started with good day on the way to work. I met a service truck, which had the label of the company that he used to work for. That was his dream job. It was turning into the art of a dairy farm. I had the most euphoric feeling of joy in my body, an actual physical re reaction relief that I had a job where I was not so stressed by my difficulties to learn and perform. It was great. But 10 minutes down the road, I was damn near in tears. Smoke and M that's what he calls his ego showed up with regret, worry, despair, the whole gang. That's when I recognized a familiar, but as yet unnamed guest, painkiller. The SOB told everyone to shut up and get out. It left too. My mind was blank, devoid of any emotion except curiosity who came out of the bathroom and wanted to know where the hell everyone went. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, well, at first I was like, damn, the work we've done on emotional recognition and expression, man, he nailed it. <laughs> That was fantastic. 10, so 10 minutes, he felt euphoria and joy. And then the painkillers, the shame, the blame, the regret, like the like almost exact opposite. If we were to scale out emotions and go, these ones feel really good. These ones feel really shitty. He almost leaped over every other one in between. <laughs> and got to that other extreme, that polarity in an emotional experience and completely shut down. And it's such, I think, beautiful recognition of curiosity is so important in this piece because beautiful recognition, be able to go, why did I just do that? Is such a great, powerful question to ask ourselves, but we can get stuck in why questions because we want a concrete answer. And oftentimes around our emotions, we don't get those concrete answers. We don't get them, which is part of, I think what makes it really hard for people in the polarity is they want answers to why is this happening? And sometimes I like to give the answer because you're a human and that's hard. <laughs> That's hard. You're a human having a human experience. We do these kinds of things. Maybe why isn't a helpful question in this moment? Because if you simply accept that this is how you have your experiences, this is how you create your emotions, this is your point of view on the world and how it shows up, accept that that's part of your intrinsic nature right now. It might not always be, it wasn't always. So it might not always be as well, except that it is and allow your curiosity to show compassion and grace and ask different questions like what's underneath that? What does it need? How can I nurture my joy and my happiness? What does the shame and the blame need? What does it need? Can I give that to myself? And I think in there is where we then will find 
much more comfort in the range of emotions that we will experience and then allow ourselves to stay in them longer, which means allow the physiology of the emotion. So if we can stay in the physiology of it and allow it to peak out, then when we want to get curious about it, we're trying not to do that at the peak. Most of us try to do that at the peak because it's uncomfortable. So we start asking questions. Our, our intellect starts going crazy, but that's when we're the least rational. <laughs> we're the least rational when we're at the peak of our emotions. Yeah, 100%. I think that the, uh, the ability to sit with that, uh, uh, I think um, what came to is, is like this idea of impermanence is a gift that you give to yourself. It's something very simple, but it's kind of like a magic piece that you can put into the system. And once you include that into the system, it suddenly changes every, the way everything else works. And so you don't get too hung up on something. You don't get too attached to something. You don't get too striving for something. You can literally allow this experience. And like you were saying, be kind of devoid to step back a little bit from it and then and, and enjoy that experience. So. So to take it to a more esoteric level, so we, this idea that you're spiritual beings having a human experience, and this idea that you as a your soul is here, incarnated in this but in this uh, lifetime, to have experiences, to if you want to, we can say you're trying to work through whatever karma and things like that, but really it's just this soul is here to experience something. It's not necessarily experiencing something to get to a point of enlightenment or anything. It's really just come and take the, um, the famous things like take the curriculum. So people are always being humans, but they're always fighting against it or they're striving to control it or try to break free right. of it or reinvent something. And then that's all that kind of egotistic, small, small sense of self playing out into a bigger forum. But if you can kind of remove all of that and just be here to experience it, um, you can take that curriculum uh, as the saying goes and learn from everything and being open to everything and approach it with that beginner's mind and have that um re reassurance if, if still required that this is not permanent so i don't need to be too beholden to it mm. i don't need to be trapped by it i don't need to be fearful of it I don't need to <clears throat> resist. resist it. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I can simply be, and I can simply uh, enjoy that being. And uh, and whether we're talking about emotion or not, that emotion. Another saying: energy in motion. So it's just part of this energy inside you that is forcing you to have a reaction for a reason. Like you kind of have to develop that witness. And then see it for what it is, and then see beyond that, behind that, like, why am I seeing this? Why am I doing this? And like, keep going. And then perhaps only then, if you're lucky, you might understand the real reason why that's mm -hmm. happening to you. But along the way, you can appreciate the benefits of having that experience, whether they're positive or negative, and have that ultimately play out into a more constructive way in tomorrow's experience and then the day after and so on yeah what a beautiful invitation of considering that in those moments that we might notice that we're resisting or as you described all of them that we 
can shift our mindset to one of, I get to, I get to experience shame. I get to experience anger. I get to experience joy. I get to, and with each of them approach that, I get to, how awesome is this? I get to, here's my experience for right now. Because the impermanence means something else is coming along. It's not, it won't last forever. This too shall pass. Don't need to have the tug of war tension. Just let it be as it is. What a beautiful invitation. Thank you for that. And it really Good luck practicing happens. everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me think of the, the gratitude practice that, you know, our friends are always talking about as well. And that mm-hmm. is a way to, um, because sometimes people say, oh, what are you grateful for? And I think, well, I, I can list all the, the obvious things or I can feel like, oh, do I really need to search for something? But if you can be grateful for everything, whether it's negative or positive and see it uh, in that in that light, then that really dissolves that illusion of permanence that idea of being stuck in anything that idea of limiting beliefs it seems to be this kind of magic ingredient that if you add it into the creates that alchemy and (laughs) and then allows you to get unstuck and just less bothered but yeah by all these kind of things i also want to say amazing your uh your client what he wrote there yes that emotional literacy bang on, hit all of those things out of the park. But also his writing was very impressive. Like he was uh, entertained that like maybe he should, uh, or she should um, should uh, explore that. Uh, yeah, very skill. much so. Very much so talented there, yes. Mm. <laughs> I'll suggest it. <laughs> mm. So let's just see gratitude for our emotions, gratitude for our experiences. Thank you, Reese, for another... Every time we have a chat like this, I learn a little bit more from you and about you and your perspective on the world and your point of view of the world. It fills my soul. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for another episode. Subscribe, rate, review, and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.